to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 277 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis. Today, we're going to be talking about high ankle sprains. We'll be talking about the signs and symptoms how a high ankle sprain differs from an inversion or eversion ankle sprain. We'll go over how to identify a high ankle sprain and talk about some of the considerations to take during your evaluation. We're also going to review what a Kleiger's test is to help you really fine-tune that evaluation, and I'll be discussing how to manage high ankle sprains and so much more. So, first thing I'm going to say is that I'm not a huge fan of professional sports. You know, I do watch some. There are some that I like more than others, but I really cannot sit through a full football game or baseball game or something like that. Um, I just find myself so busy doing other things. Um, But in light of the recent Patrick Mahomes high ankle sprain injury, you know, I've been getting all kinds of questions from patients like, oh, what is a high ankle sprain? And, you know, how long does it take to recover? Is he going to make it for the Super Bowl? And how was he able to play so quickly on an ankle sprain like he did? And um, with that being said, uh, I thought, you know, I would shed a little light on what a high ankle sprain is and uh, how we identify what some of the signs and symptoms are and uh, how we like to manage it. Um, So, First things first, though, I'm going to be linking a video of a patient that had a high ankle sprain, and it's my evaluation of that patient. I talk about the Kleiger's test, and I go through, you know, how I want to manage this patient. He happens to be a coworker of mine. This video is like 11 years old, okay? It's the first video I ever did on YouTube, and I have about 500 videos now, so it's my first ever. Um, but please... Don't make fun of my mustache when you take a look at this video, okay? It's absolutely hideous. Uh, But I did do a no-shave November, and it was for a good cause. Um, I took a beating and uh, verbally got abused, you know, about having this mustache. But we had a great time with it. Um, uh, But please, don't give me a thumbs down just because of the mustache if you do watch the video. Um, But I hope you enjoy the video because it's an actual patient who has an actual high ankle sprain. Um, And it was pretty significant with a long recovery, but uh, did very well. So, you know, let's talk about what a high ankle sprain is. Now, first of all, we're really used to that inversion ankle sprain, you know, the ATF and, uh, you know, calcaneofibular ligaments that get sprained most commonly, sometimes that posterior talofibular, and, and that is the most common type of ankle sprain, that inversion ankle sprain. And then you have your deltoid ligament sprain, which is the eversion ankle sprain, um, where the foot really collapses down into pronation and the heel goes into calcaneal eversion. Uh, And uh, that uh, can be quite devastating and um, can have some long-term effects to that type of ankle sprain. But about, you know, 8 to 10% of ankle sprains are high ankle sprains or syndesmotic sprains, which is basically a tear of the tissue between the distal tibia and fibula, which is very ligamentous. It's like a sheet. The fibers are crisscrossed and they really help to hold that that tibia and fibula together so that when you're bearing weight, um, that talus, when it's pushing up, uh, doesn't spread those two bones apart, okay? So that's where we get a lot of that stability. Um, that distal tibia and fibula really 
you know, produce the top part of the ankle mortise that helped to hold that ankle together. Well, if those two are allowed to separate, kind of like two chopsticks separating at the bottom, um, it's you're going to lose a lot of ankle stability. So you'll have an unstable ankle, and the chances of developing some early ankle arthritis, you know, as you get older. So managing these uh, is very important. So what is the common mechanism of injury, though? It's typically a forced ankle dorsiflexion, eversion, and kind of an external rotation of the foot. While the knee is pointing forward, the ankle is trying to roll out kind of into dorsiflexion. So basically splaying open that fibula and tibia. Now, sometimes, um, you know, when it spreads that tib-fib joint and tears that ligament, um, you could also uh, develop some significant swelling, some bruising in that area, um, and you need to make sure that you keep an eye on that, okay? Um, You also have to remember that, you know, you can often damage or fracture the distal fibula um, when uh, this you know, traumatic sprain happens. So you want to make sure that you kind of keep that in mind when you're doing your evaluation. So let's just go over some of this evaluation a little bit so that we can kind of hone in on what this is and where to go when you find it. And I'm talking to you like this is the first time you see this patient. They, uh, this happened last night at a basketball game and, uh, you know, they, think that they just sprained their ankle, but they can't put much weight on it. Maybe they're on crutches and they say, hey, can you take a look at me and and give them some advice? And so number one, what was that mechanism of injury? You know, um, was it a pure inversion ankle sprain or um, were maybe they were skiing and they were not an experienced skier? That ski went off and caught an edge to one side, almost like an ACL type of mechanism where the knee wants to continue to go straight, but the foot and ankle is bound up in the boot and maybe the binding then let go. And the ski just takes that foot and just externally rotates it really hard. Um, Sometimes they can hear a pretty definitive snap or crunching sound with it. Um, Take a look at their swelling. Is it like an ATF ligament, which is pretty much just swelling on the outside of the ankle? Or is this more of an intra-articular swelling? Is there swelling in front of the leg and in back of the leg? Is it through the ankle? Kind of like a puffy effusion in there. Um, Sometimes you can have damage some of that intra-articular structure also. So that is something to take into consideration. I'm always much more concerned when I see an ankle effusion throughout the joint than just a localized extracapsular type of swelling. Um, you want to make sure that they don't have a Mazenews fracture, and I can throw in a video on what that looks like. Um, I think I have a patient who had that. It's a fracture of the fibula that occurs um, sometimes by spiraling the fibula with an inversion ankle sprain. Um, it can happen from taking a blow to the fibula, but it goes missed quite often because when you sprain the ankle, oftentimes they will just x-ray the ankle or the foot uh, in the the x-ray department and forget about that tibia and fibula. And oftentimes you can fracture up the fibula all the way to the proximal head. I've seen this uh, on several occasions. So we have to send them back and get an x-ray from the knee down basically. Um, So it's important that you palpate that fibula all the way up. I actually like to start at the top and work my way down. Um, If you start palpating the fibula and it gets tender, you need to be somewhat concerned. It could be a, a fracture. 
You can also do a um, basically just a, a tib fib squeeze, and if it hurts in an area below or above where you're squeezing, you need to be concerned with a fracture also. Um, I also will then palpula palpate that space between the tibia and fibula, okay? Um, starting mid tibia and, and, you know, mid leg and working my way down. And so if they're really tender in there, that's also another sign that they have a high ankle sprain. The next thing I'm going to do is then take them through a Kliger's test. So essentially they're sitting on the edge of the table, the knee is slightly bent, foot and ankle is in a neutral position. What I'll do is I will hold on to their uh, proximal uh, tib-fib joint and then with my other hand I'm going to dorsiflex the foot a little bit and rotate the foot outward. Again, splaying that tib-fib joint open a little bit, um, they will go through the roof if they have a syndesmotic tear. And so be very cautious with this. It shouldn't be done aggressively. And these people, if they're going to be tender with that Kliger's test like that, they're also going to have a hard time bearing weight uh, on that foot and ankle. They might come in with crutches, non-weight bearing, or maybe they're just stepping on the tiptoe and they're really limping a lot. They just can't bear a lot of weight through that mid part of the foot. Um, so those are things that you need to take uh, you know, and, and keep an eye on. I'm also going to add a video of the Kliger's test in today's um, podcast show notes. So be sure to check that out so you can see exactly how we do that. Now, if the patient is seeing you as like the first line of treatment and you suspect that they have a high ankle sprain, you need to refer this patient over to orthopedics. They need to have x-rays to determine the severity of the injury. If this is really splayed open and they're separated quite a bit, they may need to be casted. They may need to be put in a walker boot, maybe some non-weight bearing for a while. If they are really severe, then they need to be surgically fixed um, because that tib-fib joint needs to stay together, okay? And so sometimes that requires uh, some stabilization of that joint and then uh, you know the the recovery is going to be you know cast non-weight bearing for a while then uh, walker boot progressive increase in weight bearing and you know we're talking about three to six months of recovery after something like that um, this healing tissue can take a very long time okay it's ligamentous tissue it doesn't heal as well as muscle and tendon um, so you need to be patient with these they can be quite painful um, when they start to you know bear weight again and they're trying to get back on their feet you want to avoid a lot of that pivoting type of motion and lateral movements try to keep them kind of straight plane slowly work on increasing their weight bearing some people like to use like the old air cast ankle stirrups just to hold that tib and fib together um, to give it some extra stability. So that is a nice little option. A little bit of taping or co-flex can just hold that together and just give them a sense of confidence. I like to start stationary cycling as early as possible. You know, I put the pedal at the center of the foot, get them doing some biking. That is not going to splay that any. Just keep the resistance low and they'll do well with that. Um, I'm huge on blood flow restriction training early on after injuries like this because they can't do a lot of weight bearing. They can't do a lot of heavy lifting. There, You can do straight leg raises, lung arc quads, hamstring work, ball bridges. Um, you can do some light isometrics into plantar flexion and dorsiflexion with the blood flow restriction on. That would also be helpful. Um, you know, get these folks, you need to remember if they're not bearing weight really well, their quads are going to get weak, hamstrings, glutes, their core is going to get weak. So you can start on all of that. Just be cautious around that ankle. 
ankle, okay, as it's healing. Um, remember this, not all ankle sprains are treated equally, okay? There are definitely different grades of these sprains and these injuries. Um, some require surgery and some, like Mahomes, can get right out there, you know, a, a week after the injury. And I'm sure he was taped up solidly. So the ankle was not moving. You could even see it when he was running and walking that he really had no mobility. They taped him up really tight, okay? So, um, and some have said in the past that that could run you the risk of having, you know, knee injuries uh, because the ankle is so stable. But it really depends on the, the type of motion that you go through. And um, some people, it actually benefits them uh, and gives them better knee posturing when they are uh, stabilizing that ankle a little bit. Um, but it is something you need to take into consideration when you put somebody back to sports or back to their work. You know, do they have equal strength in both ankles? Um, can they squat well? Do they have a good functional squat without compensation. I think that's one of the biggest tests to getting back out there after an ankle injury. Can they do a single-legged step down? Can they balance on one leg with the knee flexed and the knee extended because we want to take that knee out of the picture and test that ankle? Um, can they do some you know, straightforward jumping, light plyometrics? Uh, and then if they're doing high-speed activities, you know, can they do these rotatory-type drills and accelerate and decelerate well, which they need to be trained through? Um, so, you know... All of that has to be taken into consideration. And then, you know, protective bracing. If you feel like they're getting out there and it's a little bit early and maybe they're not completely healed, but they're going to get out there anyway, um, even if you feel you're, they're not ready, uh, then try to protect that ankle, okay? Put them into some bracing. Do some taping if you need to. Um, you know, the appropriate type of shoes. Uh, if you're going to be doing lateral sports like tennis, you're in a different shoe than somebody who is running. Um, and so making sure that they're in the appropriate footwear is going to be helpful also. Um, you know, with that being said, folks, that's our... our podcast today on high ankle sprains if you have any questions please let me know if you have any orthopedic questions you want on the show um, please feel free to send them over and I will put them on I'll do some research and I will uh, answer your questions as well as I can number two don't laugh at my mustache when you go to the video that I linked in the show notes, please. I would very much appreciate that. Um, and then um, we are open for online coaching. Everything from reviewing patient scenarios to the basics of orthopedic evaluations, review of anatomy, and um, you know, guiding you through how to treat different injuries. Um, I am here to help and uh, be more than happy to do that. It's probably the most rewarding part of OEP for me um, because we've had some awesome success stories and uh, really helped to, uh, you know, beat that early young physical therapy bell curve and, uh, you know, all that learning process. And especially if you don't have mentorship, uh, it can be one of the things that you can do that really pushes you ahead of the others. So with that being said, folks, Thank you so much for listening. Be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.